Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm excited to have you with us once again as we dive into the story of yet another dude who is more than qualified to be here, but I'll let you tell him up. I'll let him tell you about that himself. Great. My Friday afternoon and my words are failing, man. I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad to have <laughs> I am glad to have Adam Galway with me today. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, just uh living the American dream, I guess if you could call it that anymore. <laughs> um, um, nice. But it is it is Friday afternoon. You're fresh home from work, so I'm excited that you're taking the time to talk to us, man. I appreciate it. Let's let's dive into it and get going, man. Tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Well, I used to be 400 pounds, um, extremely. Uh, I mean, I'm six foot, but still, 400 pounds is not good on any frame unless you're about eight feet tall. But, um, you know, 400 pounds, I was a drug addict, a single parent, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> one day the, the drugs were making me feel worse and they were making me feel good, and I just quit it. I quit cold turkey, which isn't uh, medically suggested because of the volume I was taking. I was taking about two grams of morphine a day. And uh, went cold turkey Have with my addictive personality. After I started feeling better, I started going to the gym. All I could handle was two or three days a week, 30 minutes at a time. And uh, <laughs> it was just... Uh, so I'm just no, it's okay. I lost for word. It's yeah, crazy. No, no, it's okay. Just like well, there's well, let's let's pull it back because you didn't wake up 400 pounds one day. No, and addicted to drugs and and all of that. Like that comes from somewhere. So so let's go into let's go back into the past and talk about you know were you always a big kid? Like where when did that start for you? Where did these where did all these things begin? Um. Well, I was always the bigger kid at school. Um, you know, I was always taller and bigger than everyone else. And, uh, you know, I was always really active. I was really active for a while. I rode BMX. I rode motocross as a kid. And then, you know, I got into several accidents that took me out for a long time. I was in a head-on collision about 10 feet in the air on a dirt bike. Um, broke my collarbone. I didn't break anything else except my collarbone, but I had major, uh, a burn on my left arm. I don't know if you've ever seen it in the pictures on Instagram, but that was from a tire. Um, getting, that's when, that's basically when the pain pills started, but you know, I was in several accidents that took me out. And, uh, you know, once I, yeah, it was, I'm sorry, dude. Um, yeah, so I was in several accidents and after a while I couldn't do those things anymore. I couldn't ride bikes. I couldn't ride dirt bikes anymore. So my thing became video games and eating and I was still eating the same way, doing nothing as I was when I was super active. So, you know, <laughs> taking out all that activity and still taking down a large pizza once a week, it, uh, it tends to add up. Oh, yeah. 
So <laughs> when you were really active, where where did you ever know what you weighed then? Like what kind of progression did you see? Um, I don't even know what I weighed. I was probably about 180 pounds. <laughs> I was probably like 180 in high school. But I was six foot, 180, and I was actively riding bikes and dirt bikes and stuff. So to go from 180 to 400 then, is, is pretty significant. No. Yeah. So what was that? Were you conscious um, of it as it was happening? Like, was it more, you know, you're no, not at all. That's the, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, not at all. It was just like, you know, it happened. It seems looking back on it, it seems like it happened so fast, but it didn't. It was the accumulation of like 10 years of being inactive and just still eating. Just, <laughs> you know, and especially when, you know, it's when you've got painkillers and alcohol involved, you're just not conscious of a lot. I used, I used to drink very heavily and taking medication. Like I was on, I was taking Norco's, Vicodin's, Xanax, everything I could get my hands on. And, you know, you're just not conscious of it. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes sense. And, were was that unconsciousness something that kind of was like a blanket over you or were there moments where you were like something's going on that i need to change let me try to change this like were you trying to to make change before or was it more like you said like you were just in that place where all of these things were fueling into each other uh, you're i just wasn't conscious of it I, there were times when i was like Oh shit, I'm getting pretty fat. Like I went from a large t-shirt, now I'm at like an extra large. Now I'm wearing 2X. Now I'm wearing 3X. And I would, you know, I would tell people like, "Oh, I need to lose weight." And this is this kind of fueled that um that reel I just made last week where it said, "Stop telling your friends they don't need to lose weight." I was I was getting so heavy and people were telling me, oh, no, you don't need to lose weight. You look great. Like, you're not fat. But I think it was just, like, family members and friends being, like, trying to be nice. But I, I was completely aware of it. I was completely aware of it. Because one day, like, I caught myself, you know, I caught an angle of myself in a mirror. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, what the hell has happened? And that, that was literally probably within a couple weeks of me having that realization that drugs were making me feel like shit and something needed to change because I was <laughs> just stretching out the elasticity of a 4XL t-shirt and my, I still have the pants. They're a size 48 Dickies, a fi- size 48 Dickie pant. And they were tight as hell. And I was just like, this this isn't right. <laughs> you know, because there's also times you go to the store and you're like, or you go to the mall and you're like, oh, I want to get a shirt. Oh, nobody carries a 4X. Weird. Or like nobody carries a size 50 pant. Which is, which is unique, not unique to your, you know, unique to everyone's stories, like, but unique sometimes to the, the people that I have on this show because... Often the guests that I talk to, if, if you've listened to any of them, are the are the people, you know, who grew up as the chubby kid who became the fat kid who became the fat adult, you know, and then had their moment of realization. But I think the story that you're telling is a similar one that to, to a lot of people out there that a significant life change happens and the weight starts to come on because you're not conscious of needing to make changes in other areas. And like you said you had a lot of things that were contributing to that unconsciousness. And and then you kind of hit that point where the consciousness starts to come back. And the, do you like you take us into it a little bit, if you can, man, like what, what brought you to that point that you realized, you know, especially, you know, obviously the drugs are the first step, like that you needed to make change. You know, I, 
the first time I realized I needed to make change, I was, I was at my daughter's birthday party. It was her, her fifth birthday party. And I was like, oh, I don't need anything today. I'm not going to take anything today. Like I'll be fine. And we were in an air conditioned room. It was like the, the clubhouse for our apartments. And I was sweating profusely. I was just like drenched. It was like 10 in the morning and I was sweating profusely. And I checked the, the thermostat on the wall and it was set to 65. I was like, it's freezing in here. Why am I sweating like this? About 30 minutes later, I started dry heaving. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, I don't like, I don't think I ate anything weird. Like, I don't know why I feel sick. Why do I feel like this? I didn't know I had a problem, but my girlfriend at the time was like, you have a fucking problem. And that was the moment it just punched me right, right in the dick. I was just like, holy shit. Cause you know, I, you know, all the injuries I've had from motocross and BMX, I've had knee surgery. I, um, I had an accident where I lost some of the calf muscle in my left leg. So I, you know, to me, I was self-medicating and I, I was also so heavy that I had, um, sciatic nerve damage. So my back was always hurting. So I was like, in my head, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm just self-medicating, trying to make myself feel better and not feel any pain. But really, uh, two grams of morphine a day, when they come in 200 milligram tablets, you're taking almost 20 of them a day. That's not self-medicating. That's a problem. So I was just like, I'm, I'm the extreme type of person. If you couldn't tell by the two grams of drugs, um, I, I'm an extremist. I'm either like all in or all out. So that day I flushed everything that I had and I was just like, Oh shit. It probably would have been better to taper off, but it's already gone. So <laughs> it was all gone. I flushed everything. And I was like, fuck, I have to go to work on Monday. <laughs> and I, I lived in my own place and my daughter was living with me full time. And Southern California housing is not cheap, as you know. I was living in Marietta at the time, not far from you, uh, from San Diego. And uh, I, I maintained a 50 hour work week while going through withdrawals. <laughs> Um, yeah. What was that like? Like for, for someone out there who has no idea what the, what withdrawal from anything feels like, you know, do your, can you do your best just even to give us a, a glimpse into to what going through that was like? Oh man. How do I even explain it? Okay. Imagine your worst hangover and just times it by 10. I was like, you know, cause opiates stop you up. So I don't know if it was just coming off of opiates. I was just like, I was in the bathroom like eight to 10 times a day, either diarrhea or puking. Um, <laughs> luckily I worked for a, a small shop and I don't think the guy knows, but, uh, I withdraw, I had withdrawals while I was working for him. You know, I still got my work done, but, but it's, it's terrible. I think that's why I've been able to push myself so hard and so far as I have is because nothing amounts to that pain or that the way I felt, you know what I mean? Go like pushing myself in the gym or pushing myself in life to do things that are hard and you know, very uncomfortable. I'm just like, I went through withdrawals and worked 50 hours a week. I can fucking do this. I can do that. I can do anything. So, but it's just, it's seriously, I can't, I don't wish that upon anybody. Just headaches, vomiting, diarrhea, just nonstop. Oh, it's yeah. Taking me back to like, <laughs> So, 
So you're going through that and you're working. And you said it was a kind of a couple weeks into that, that you were also like realizing that it was more than just an, you know, a, a drug addiction that you needed to deal with, that there were, there were some other physical changes you needed to make. Oh yeah. Doctors had always told me, Oh, you need to lose weight and you'll start feeling better. And I was like, I asked my girlfriend at the time, I was like, do I need to lose weight? Like, do you think I'm that overweight? She's like, no, you look great. And I was just like, okay, you're just looking back. I'm like, oh, you were just trying to be the nice girlfriend. But yeah, the physical changes needed to happen. I, yeah, I, uh, everything was messed up. I was just like, why am I in so much pain all the time? Oh, there's 400 pounds pressing onto your, your joints and ligaments and it's not meant to be like this. And so were you still kind of in the throes of, of the withdrawal when you started to try to work on your weight as well? Or was did that more come after? Um, it came after. It was probably about, so June 16th was the last day I had taken anything. Or when I started, June 16th was when I started. And my daughter's birthday is May 20th. And May 20th is when I flushed everything. And so it was June 16th is when I remember my very first day at the gym at my little apartment gym, you know, just walking on the treadmill, messing around with dumbbells. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I was just, I was just like trying to move my body. I have a very addictive personality. So I just needed to do something else uh, along with all the energy that I now felt from not being a zombie all the time. I had to do something. I was just like, I'm going to start doing this. You know, and it, I did not in a million years think that it would get to where I am today, where I'm just like, oh, I might compete, compete in a bodybuilding show next year or, you know, anything like that. I was just like, my whole goal was like, oh, let's see if I can get to 300 pounds. I haven't been 300 pounds since I was like 20. And I was now 28. So I was like, I just want to be 300 pounds. Let's see how that, let's see how that goes. And I got to 300 pounds and I was like, I can't fucking stop now. Like, why would I stop? And then just kept going. I got down to 250 and then 240. I did it all by myself. I did all my macros and like my training stuff, you know, just looking things up, things that people should be looking up on Google instead of like, you know, like. Oh, I saw this Instagram fitfluencer swipe workout. Like, look up scientific stuff and, you know, I, I don't know. But I did all the right research and I think it worked well for me because the first time I hired a coach, I was 240 pounds. And my coach got me from 240 to 205, which was my all-time low. So at that point, I had lost 195 pounds. And, and I was like, oh yeah, I want to be 205 when I was at 240. And then I got to 205 and I was like, uh, I look emaciated. So what was it before we move, move kind of further from that to see what hap happened after 205? What was it like for you having been through, you know, what you were, you went through with drugs now to be coming through what you came through with changing your body? Like, did you learn things about what what your relationship with food was like was it was there anything challenging on that side or was it more once you got the information you needed the implementation kind of clicked yeah it was more of like once the implementation started everything it really did just click it was like you know because when you're that heavy you know weight just kind of falls off you know when, when you change something like that like cutting out soda and fast food like the first 50 pounds just fell off, you know? So once I implemented things and I was like, okay, like this flexible dieting stuff, like what's this all about? What are macros? And I started learning about all that stuff and putting that into my, my day to day, it just helped immensely. And was flexible dieting kind of the, the path that you followed? 
Yeah, because it was just like, I felt like it was easier for me just because I didn't have to say no to like a donut if I wanted a donut or like a cookie. You know, the, the, those were my everyday staples. You know, <laughs> like I would stop at the donut store every day before work and get like a half a dozen donuts to myself. And I was just like, I was kind of like an addict to food as well. I was like, I can't just cut that out. You can't take my drugs and my food. So I just, <laughs> I just like. But I think that's something that some, you know, I've, I've worked with and talked to a, a lot of people that have been dealing with that idea of, you know, dueling addictions, you know, and also that, that idea that when you conquer one addiction, another addiction can rear its head and that balance. So what was it? Was there a point where you were feeling like, okay, what, you know, what else am I going to have to deal with? Like, you know, in this, in this way that you were, you know, okay, drugs, I'm getting that under, under control. Okay. Now I got to deal with, with, with food and moving my body and losing weight, you know, like mentally, what is that like to go through all of that? Oh man, that was, it's still, I'm not going to lie. I still like to this day. I still have issues with food. I'm just like, you know, cause I'm working with a coach now and um, I'm trying to get bigger. So he's like pushing food pretty heavy, but I'm on a meal plan. So I'm not really, you know, doing any of my own planning. So like uh, on leg days, I get a cheat meal and I'm being a hundred percent transparent. Sometimes I completely fly off the rails. And then the next day I'm just like, God damn it. Why the hell did I go that far? It's just like, oh yeah, the 400 pound guy inside of you is still there. So, you know, I'm still like battling that guy every day. And the, the food stuff, it just never goes away. It just becomes more manageable. You know, it's like the Hulk. He's like, that's my secret cap. I'm always angry. I'm always hungry. You know, it's just like you, you've got to have the mental fortitude to overcome it, you know, and like push it down or deal with it. Just be like, OK, I really want an entire large pizza from Costco. But is that conducive to what I want or is that going to hurt me? Because the, the two or three days following a serious binge, it's almost like having withdrawals again. You just feel like shit. So it's just like, ah, is it really worth it? No, it's not at all because I won't be able to train Monday and probably not Tuesday because I feel like death. So well, what do no, you it's think? still one of the... Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it takes to learn that lesson? Because... You know, because I think like oh. you hit on a couple of things that I think are really important for people to understand, because I think a lot of people, whether it comes to drugs, alcohol or food, people feel that once you put the work in to make a change, that the work's done. And, and obviously the work really never ends on any of those fronts, you know, that those things are always still there. Like, and, you know, I get people that come to me like almost in tears, like, all I want you to tell me is that someday I won't deal with this. And I'm like, as much as I want to lie to you and tell you that you won't deal with those feelings anymore, it's like you said, the feelings become more manageable. You become more aware of, of where they're coming from, what's triggering them, how you need to respond to them. Like all of those things you get stronger at, but it still doesn't mean that that, that monster can't lurk and that those things are there. So what do you think for you, just speaking from your experience, because obviously that's all you can speak from, you know, it's all I can speak from. What do you think allows you to be conscious of those lessons and work on learning them like that? You know, even just using that example, you said of like when you do have binge behavior and there's consequences, like what helps you, what helps you fortify yourself going into, you know, the next day, the days after that? Like, how do you, what do you think are the important things to the, the important way to work on learning that, I guess I, I'm rambled for a little bit there, but I hope the question. Oh no, sense. you're totally fine. I've been rambling the whole time because my brain's all scrambled, but you know, it's just having the self-awareness, you know, being like, 
aware with yourself, aware of your your thoughts and your feelings, and you know why are you feeling like this? Most of the time, my binges come from having a really shitty week at work, or you know I had a couple bad training sessions that week, and I'm just like, you know, I I feel like I've lost control, you know, because like when you have shitty days and those things are they feel. Hey there, everybody. Technology is not my friend today, but Adam and I have reconnected. <laughs> we we jumped through some hoops and we're back at it. Uh, I'm glad that he's still here, you know, in on it. And we were talking about the level of self-awareness that he had to build, you know, when it came specifically to uh, binge behavior now was the, the specific issue we were talking about. But just in general of, of all of his challenges, like what that looks like and my, the question that was coming up for me, Adam, because you were talking about you became aware of the things that would trigger binges, you know, whether it was a rough week at work or a rough couple days in the gym, you know, all of those things adding up could trigger that behavior. What do you think, you know, because I think sometimes we talk in big picture and theory on the show. And I'm just curious, like from your on the ground reporting perspective, what did you need to do to build that self-awareness? Like, how did you actually go about working on it? Oh, man. The self-awareness really came with, uh, you know, all the things that I've done as far as changing my body. My mental has changed more than my body along this journey. And just building that self-awareness, it, it just came with it. You know, like, being aware of all the things that I was eating, not just intaking, you know, as, as far as food, but like, you know, intaking things from the outside world, you know, taking in the people I was ha being around, like all the things that I was exposed to, like, whether it be, you know, cause your intake isn't just food. It's everything, everything that you're taking in, you know, just, it's really kind of hard to explain like how you just get the self-awareness, but it's just like, it just came with it. You know, just being aware of the things I was eating, being aware of the people I was around because I was still kind of hanging around with the same people that I was hanging around with before and just being around those people. I would became aware of like the influence they had on me and, you know, just, you just, being aware of everything, just seeing things for what they really are and seeing people for who they really are, seeing food for what it is, seeing the gym for what it is. You know, it's like, it's my mental escape. It's where I go and I can just be me and just, you know, focus on myself. And you're really, you know, you really see yourself. You, you just test yourself. And it's, it's really is hard to explain. I don't feel like I'm explaining it very well, but it's just like, it's just one of those things that comes along with just changing your body. Well, changing your mind comes with it. I think you are explaining it well, because I think that's something that people miss that what I feel, you know, what I took away from what you were saying was this whole idea that our, our minds and our bodies are not separate, you know, so working on food and working on your physical activity, you know, leads to naturally leads to a greater awareness of yourself in all areas, yes. leads to greater yeah. mindfulness. It's almost like, it's like when people say, you know, I, I have people who ask me all the time, like, should I start, should I start with physical activity? Should I start with diet? What should I start with if I want to get on this path? And I, my answer is usually, it doesn't really matter in the end what you start with. It's about how all of those things reinforce each other and how they allow, allow those habits to build. Because when you start working on one habit, and, and let's be honest, like most of the time I am probably going to say to someone, start with diet because most people have not a great awareness of what they're eating and they have some awareness of how they're moving, but they're not really paying attention to what they're eating. So getting them to start there can help. But it's this idea that, when you start to work on your dietary habits and your food, you know, for a less clinical term, you know, what you're eating, and then you start to work on moving your body more, 
you start to realize how what you're eating affects your body and how how you're moving your body then affects your desire. Like you literally brought that example forward when you said, you know, if you have a binge episode, it affects your ability to work out. It affects your ability to do everything. And there's this reinforcement that to some people it's it's a working against each other, but I think it's more synergy. It's more this idea that all of these things work together to create the bigger picture of what you need to really change your life. So let, let's get back into your story, man. You got down to 205 and realized that that wasn't the place you wanted to stay. Where, where did things go from there for you? Um, well, the coach I was working with at the time, I was basically, uh, I was crash dieting. Like I was eating 2,050 calories. And then as soon as I hit 205, he was like, okay, go up to 3,500. And, you know, I wasn't, completely aware of reverse dieting at the time so i was just like oh hell yes i'm going up to 3500 calories like you know how much food that is and i got back up to 235 but it wasn't like the look that i was hoping for <laughs> at 235 and i started talking to other people and they were like oh well, well did you reverse diet and i was like no i and I had asked about it. I was like, I shouldn't gradually increase my calories. And he's like, oh, no, you're good. You'll be all right. Your output is pretty good. And, you know, I think it'll work out this way. And I was just like, all right. I just, you know, I was paying for a coach. And, you know, if, if I'm paying for a coach, I'm just doing what they tell me. And after a while, I was just like, uh, this kind of isn't what it needs, what it's supposed to be. So. I well, did some more research. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you have to because whoever really talks about reverse dieting, like oh, not a lot of people. I didn't a, start hearing like fully hearing about it until a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's it's a missing piece, and and I honestly think a lack of awareness of of what a proper reverse diet can do for you is what ends up screwing a lot of people when they're when they're coming off of when they hit their weight loss goal and they're trying to get into maintenance. And they don't really either they continue to undereat, you know, continue to be in a deficit because they don't know where else to go. And eventually that just kind of drives them bonkers. Or they say, okay, you know, I got myself down to 1500 calories, 1600 calories. Uh, tomorrow I'll eat, like you said, you know, I'll bump it up by a thousand tomorrow. You know, why that's where, that's where I want it. You know, 2500 is where I'm most comfortable. Let me just start there today. And it's like, like you said, and I think to some extent the coach is right that there are some people that can do that kind of big jump and deal with the resulting weight gain and all of those issues that are going to come rapidly. But for the average person, that's not going to be a helpful tool. Like it's really something that should be approached properly. And so if anyone out there listening has no idea what, what Adam and I are talking about, Google reverse dieting, you know, it's it's not it's not just something for for bodybuilders to use you know it's going to come up in that context a lot but really it, it's something that everyone everyone who understands how to get themselves into a caloric deficit properly should have a good understanding of how to get themselves out of that deficit properly as well yes it's and i wish it was talked about more cuz the things that you see on instagram is always just like oh calorie deficit lose weight lose weight get lean you know get big but nobody talks about the steps in between, you know, on a reverse diet, you're at most adding or like upping your calories, maybe two to 300 a week. Like that's like max, maybe every two or three weeks upping it until you find your maintenance where you're just maintaining the same weight week after week. And that's, that's how you find your maintenance. And it's just something I wish was talked about more. And, you know, uh, Ethan Suplee talks about it a lot about maintenance. He talks about maintenance, but he, I don't think he ever mentions like a reverse diet, reverse dieting and implementing little calorie bumps every so often to just keep you from over gaining weight because especially for people like us, you know, who have lost a substantial amount of weight the mental the mental fuck it gives you putting on weight because you've been chasing this low number on the scale for so long 
that seeing the scale goes up, it screws you up. But you, you know, and it's just like, oh, it's very scary watching the scale go up. But at the same time, if you're taking pictures, you know, once a week, at least just to see how your body's changing, the scale going up isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're, you know, if you're still eating clean, you're eating good, you're not flying off the rails and you're eating Carl's Jr. three times a day like I was or Taco Bell or whatever, you know, it's the weight is good. And, you know, adding those calories, I just wish more people talked about it and I can, ah, it's just so frustrating. Sometimes. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a valid frustration. You know, we don't, I, we don't have to yeah. stay in that frustration for sure, but oh yeah, you, you're right. Like it is, there's, there's so many things about these journeys. It's why I started this podcast because I want people to hear the full length of, of a person's journey, not just, oh, I, I did this and I lost the weight. You know, I used keto and I lost the weight. I had surgery, I lost the weight. I went on Weight Washers, I lost the weight. I used flexible dieting. Like, there's so much more to it. Like, and even with clients that I work with, when they're like, okay, you know, I worked on my weight loss for a year and a half. Uh, it should take me like a week to get ready for maintenance. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, no, you know, and, and not that anyone has said that recently um, in case, yeah. any, in case any of my clients are listening, but you know, I've dealt with, with people who are like, well, I, I, you know, I just want to get, you know, to, I want to find out what my maintenance calories are. I'm like, well, let's find out what they are. Let's find out where your body's at because the great thing about a reverse diet. And this is, this is the reason why I think people should really, you know, all you people out there that are listening that are like in that place of wanting to lose weight, why you should know as much about a reverse diet as you do about losing weight is because a reverse diet's going to help you be able to eat as much food as possible and maintain your weight. You know, properly approaching a reverse diet allows you even to push your calories further than they might have gone if you just jumped them up by 500 calories a week, 600 calories a week. If you do it in a if you do it in a more slow measured process, you can actually be in tune and again it goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time that mindfulness and that awareness, you know, being conscious of, of what you're doing. And that, if anything, is the, I, I've, I've said it a hundred times lately on Instagram and in other places, like, I think the biggest skill that a person who wants to lose weight and keep it off needs to learn is mindfulness. You know, in the, at the end of the day, what you end up putting on your plate to help you lose weight is, is going to be important, but it's not going to be the most important thing. It's going to be why am I putting this on my plate? Why am I putting this much on my plate? Why am I moving my body this way? Like we want to be passive passengers on these journeys and you need to be the person taking that active role. Like you've talked about, you know, you need to do the research. You need to understand, you know, when someone tells you to do something, even if you're working with a coach and they say, we're going to do a reverse diet. And if you ask them, explain to me why we're doing this. And they say, because it's what we do now you don't have to take that as an answer. Like you can say, either explain it to me or point me to somewhere where I can learn about this because I want to know why I'm doing this. You know, I want to be aware of this. I want to build that because it's not building that awareness that prevents people from making lasting change. Because if you don't learn more, how can you expect yourself to do more? Exactly. And that's kind of like how I screwed myself over with you know, hiring a coach was a good thing. I learned a lot of the fundamentals of lifting and super proper form and the importance of it. But at the same time, I, I'm like, okay, I hired a coach. He's a professional. He knows what he's doing. So I followed it blindly without asking, why am I eating such little calories? Why are we not reverse dieting? Like not asking any questions. Some people go into it and they just think that this coach has all the answers but really, sometimes you know, there's a lot of people that are coaches that really have no idea what the hell they're doing. I mean, they do to an extent. They know how to do the mathematical equation to get you into a calorie deficit, but they don't have any knowledge further than that. It's not a lot of people know about reverse dieting and uh, reversing into maintenance and staying in that maintenance for a prolonged period of time. Because in that maintenance, you could be, you know, building building tissue and then you know as you get bigger it could become you know a slight deficit so it's like it, you just have to be aware you know and after that i coached myself for a while and 
dieted down a little bit and then, you know, really figured the, all these things out on my own because I had heard reverse dieting and I was like, what the hell is that? And I looked into it and I was like, ah, okay. So, you know, you reverse into maintenance and you stay there for a while. It not only does, you know, maintenance help you build a better body and, you know, you're able to eat more food, but just the, the mental effects that it has, you know, cause you're not dieting hard. It's just like, you know, I can go out and have dinner with my girlfriend this weekend and not have to freak out about weighing my rice and weighing my food. You know, you have that one meal and it's not going to kill you if you're, you know, you're trying to lose weight all the time. And it, you shouldn't try to lose weight all the time, not just because, you know, the mental stuff, but the, on, on the hormonal level. Hormones crash when you're in a sustained period of a calorie deficit. They just dump. Like, talk to any bodybuilder who's ever done a show. Like, like most, eh, I think even enhanced athletes, but most of all, natural athletes that go through a show, their their hormones just tank. And I don't think a lot of people who are weight loss people are doing these drugs. So, like, they're going to tank. And no one really talks about that either. You know, how much your hormones tank when you try to sustain a, a calorie deficit for years. You know, how shitty you're going to feel, not just because your calories are low, but your testosterone's in the tank. And all of these things are just a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Well, it really is a roller coaster. And, you know, yeah. that's where, bring, kind of bring us up to speed to where that roller coaster is taking you now, man. Uh, well, right now I'm in a mass building phase, so I'm trying to get bigger and I'm eating a lot of food. So like my mental feels a lot better. I feel strong as hell. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm eating quite a bit of food. So, you know, it, but this isn't my second, this is my second or third time, like trying to put on size. So it's still, it doesn't mess me up as much watching the scale go up. Especially my, the coach that I work with is my girlfriend's coach. The one who, uh, she did her contest prep with he's Isaac Conaway. He's a amazing coach. Awesome guy. Him and his wife are just awesome. So I know for a fact, he knows what he's doing and he wouldn't steer me in the wrong direction. And, and he'd tell me, I send check-in pictures every Saturday. So I know if I was getting fat, he'd be like, Hey man, Hey, you need to dial it back a little bit. But you know, right now I'm just like, I'm trying to get bigger. I don't care about losing weight anymore. And it, I've, it's taken me three years to get this far. I lost 200 pounds in, um, like 18 months, which is a little fast. <laughs> it's probably, it's too fast, but you know, and for the longest time, it wasn't until like maybe the last year. I don't, I weigh myself once a week. I really I don't care about the number on the scale because I see the body composition changes. You, know, you don't see them as much when you're, when you're in a mass building phase, I guess you could call it when you're trying to get bigger. You, that's not, it's not as quick as when you're in a deficit, you're dieting down, you see drastic changes every week because of, you know, water retention and fat loss and stuff like that. But the strength gains are insane. You know, you get stronger every week. Every week I add five pounds to a lift or one rep. So it was like, it's just, that's that to me feels better than seeing the number go down on the scale. Like deadlifting 455 for reps feels a lot better than, oh, I lost another pound this week. Cool. To me, that's more gratifying than losing weight. And that's taken me three years to grasp. Which it should, like you're saying, like okay. this should take time because it's not oh, yeah. about, it's not about putting band-aids on things. You know, it's about building that sustainable lasting change. You know, same thing going back to, you know, obviously withdrawal is a different thing than actually working on an addiction to drugs because it's like withdrawal ha can have a specific period time period to it. But 
the behaviors that put put you in the place of of needing the drugs in the first place are things that can take a long time to change. The behaviors that got you to four hundred pounds are can take time to change, and it's healthy time. Like I. I, I have, I, I was talking with someone the other day and, you know, when they were talking about, you know, are they, is, is everything, you know, have they been, have they been progressing as fast as they should be progressing? And my answer to anyone who asks me something along those lines is always, you're where you need to be right now. Focus on what you're doing and what you're learning and what you have learned. And don't worry about, am I, is my, because it's not like this is an actual marathon you're running or a race. You know, it's not a sprint. You know, that's a cliche. It's, it's, a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. But it's really about what are you putting yourself through through all these paces? You know, when you talked about it, I think you said something that's really important for people to understand too. Weight loss is trauma. You know, as much as, much as, as you know, as much as me weighing 540 pounds, you weighing 400 pounds was trauma on our bodies. Losing weight is trauma because the body is gets into this place of homeostasis and it's a fight to get yourself out of there. You know, our, our, our human bodies adapt to amazing things. And so all of the hormonal processes that are involved, you know, even just the fact that when you are consistently in a deficit for that long, a severe deficit, just the, the cortisol issues that are going to be caused, like there's, there's greater benefit to seeing the power in pacing yourself than there is to racing. The idea that you can, because it also gives you time to learn. Like, I think that's so important too, especially for someone who might struggle with a food addiction or disordered food behavior, or even just a challenging relationship with food. Trying to rush through repairing that relationship is never going to lead to a good thing. You know, it that takes time and work and give it the time and work that it takes. You know, give it, honor yourself and allow yourself to take that time. And exactly. And the one thing is like, you know, if this, if where I read something that said, if you woke up a billionaire tomorrow, you would have no idea how to act. You wouldn't know what to do. So, you know, I think it's a good thing that this whole thing takes time and patience you know, because if you woke up tomorrow with your dream body, you wouldn't know how to react. You wouldn't know how to act with yourself. You, you know, if, you know, that one workout made you look like how you wanted to, would you, you know, you would quit and you would think everything was that easy. And you would have that mentality of just, you know, oh, this is easy. It, every, it's instant. Just like looking up something on the internet or ordering food, you know, you wouldn't have the appreciation for it. So. I think it's better that this stuff takes time. It's just because it, the, the mental aspect of it is, it just makes you, it just changes you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, 100%. So let's talk about that. You know, we've, we've been talking about a lot of, we dove into some things really deeply there, which I think were great, but let's talk about Adam and, what do you think, man, when you sit in, in yourself today, what do you think are the biggest changes you've made in your life? Oh, man. I don't, it's hard for me to like, you know, it's still to this day, like, you know, I know I'm a better person, but it's still hard to like talk good about myself because <laughs> I, I still think that I'm a trash human being because of, I don't know why, like imposter syndrome or whatever. But, you know, I know I'm an overall better person and I treat people way better than I used to. I used to just, you know, use people like, oh, you can help me get this or you can do this for me. Now all I want from people is their time. I never, you know, if I have a friend with a small business, I, ever, I never asked them for a discount. Before it was like, oh, man, you own this place. Like you can't like just give me stuff for free or it's just. A different you have an appreciation for just life in general you know I, it's just changed who I am all around I I used to be an extremely extremely violent person <laughs> like if someone could someone could look at me the wrong way and I'd, I'd ask them what the fuck their problem was and probably end up throwing hands with someone who was just looking through me 
you know, not even seeing me, but to me, they were looking at me and I felt offended by it. Now it's just like, you know, I, it's, it's one of those, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but you, you understand where I'm coming from. It's just, everything changes and it's just so weird. You see things differently. No, I, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. So you talked now you're in a, like a mass building phase, which I feel like we could probably go back and spend an hour talking about what it's like to be someone that's lost weight and now has to, you know, build the proper mentality for actually handling gaining weight. Um, you know, purposefully, that's a complete, that's a whole new world, which, you know, you, I think you dove into a little bit and, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to take up your entire Friday. Obviously, that's something even at some point we could probably talk about again. But coming through all of this and being there now, you know, what what are what are the things that challenge Adam today? Oh man. Um I think the things that challenge me now really are, you know, I still have the 400 pound guy's appetite. So for me, the challenge now is like not eating more than I'm supposed to. <laughs> that's, that's still the hardest thing for me. Cause I still have a 400 pound guy's appetite. Like when I, we go out to eat with people and like, they see how much I can eat. They're like, what the hell? Like, how do you eat all that? And then I have to explain to them like, Oh, I used to be 400 pounds. So my stomach is really like, the size of a football. It's not the size of a baseball like your guys is. So to me, eight sushi rolls isn't a lot. That's like one of my biggest challenges now is just like also actually seeing myself for who I really am is my hardest thing. Because, you know, now that I'm like gaining weight and like, you know, when you're in a mass building phase, fat comes with it. It's not, you know, so right now I, I see myself as like super fat and in my head, I'm that 400 pound guy walking around. So I don't, I don't see myself for what I truly am or even who I, you know, I don't see myself. I don't see myself as this, you know, super gentle, loving person. I still see myself as like a piece of shit. So like the perception of myself hasn't fully changed. And it's like the hardest thing for me is like just seeing who I am. And, mm -hmm. and that's, do you, do you think it's getting better? You know, do you think that oh, it's better? Abs absolutely. It's getting better because with the self-awareness comes mm -hmm. the, I do have the times where I see myself for who I am, but it's not a hundred percent. It's just those times. You know, I still have the, the, I still have body image issues. Like, of course, you know, it's, and that's like, those are my biggest challenges, seeing myself for who I really am and seeing my body for what it really is and what it's gone through. Because like, you know, I don't really think about these things until I talk to people about them. You know what I mean? Like I only see myself day to day. I'm like, ah, you're looking fat today or whatever. But then I get to talking to someone like you about how far I've come and the damage I've done to my body and for it to still cooperate with what I'm putting it through because like training as hard as I do or like, you know, I'm not, I, I don't see myself as that great, but I know I train hard as fuck. So for my body to still put up with this stuff and like, it's like, dude, you damaged us with all these drugs and alcohol, and now you're doing this to us, and you know, it's still cooperating with me. Is <laughs> I don't see myself for who I really yeah. am. But the key thing is you you're working on that, and you're aware of it. It's not it's not that you're you're unaware of that challenge, you know. And I think that's the important thing, you know. It's 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 realizing that the challenge is there. And you know that there's valid reasons to work on it, you know, healthy, solid reasons. But that doesn't mean the challenge goes away. You know, like, you know, it, most people that have made a significant weight loss, you know, deal deal with severe bouts of, you know, 
we could focus, you know, again, another topic we could probably talk about for a long time is, is that body dysmorphia of, you know, because even knowing that your change took time, it's still relatively quick to go from 400 pounds to where you're at now. And a 400, a 400 pound body in the condition that you were in is very different than the body you're in now. And it, on some levels, the body knows where it's at now. The body keeps going. The body's feeling good. But it's like our heads take more time to catch up. Yeah, the brain is lagging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess the, the brain really is the most, it's like the lagging body part. Well, it's, you know, some people have yeah. lagging biceps. Most people have a lagging brain. <laughs> no, I think, it, uh, I think that's 100% accurate. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Me and my girlfriend have these talks probably multiple times a week because she's had an incredible journey too. She's she's only five foot, so she's lost sixty pounds off of her frame, and the change is crazy. So, you know, she's able to see where my pers- my perspective on it. She's able to see it like so. She's able to understand, and we're able to have these in depth conversations about it, and it's just like. You know, it really helps having someone who understands just like, you know, give you that perspective, give you that crazy perspective shift. Like, dude, you've abused your body since you were 16 and then you finally got your shit together when you were 28. And for it to still keep pushing and doing what I'm asking of it really is amazing. So I, you know, this has really been an eye-opening conversation for me as well, just you know, talking about myself, it, it helps. <laughs> Good. No, I, and I, I, that's what this is about, you know, giving you a chance yeah. to put that out there and you're going to have it forever to listen back on. And, and you might listen back and realize there were other thoughts that you had, or you expressed something that you hadn't realized that you were thinking, you know, that's the great thing about this medium. Oh yeah. You know, things just like, I, I'm like, I'm a really open person. So I just say what's on my mind and I just don't hold anything back. So it's just hearing it come out of your own mouth. It it just with Mm self-awareness, you know, these things, they just start to click when you start speaking on them. You don't see yourself or who you really are until you start talking about yourself and explaining the crazy shit that you put your body through. Mm hmm. Holy well, shit. <laughs> well, well, Adam, if people who have been with us on this journey today, listening to you tell your story and, and us dive into this, these really, I think, important topics, if they want to keep up with what you're doing and, and hear some more come out of your mouth, crazy or not, uh, where do they find <laughs> you, man? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Adam period Galway. Last name is spelled G-O-L-W-A-Y. So everyone can find me there and I pretty much respond to anybody who sends me a message. If they've got any questions, you know, they want to like, I've been in the, the deepest parts of depression and anxiety, weight loss, weight gain, the mental aspects of gaining weight after you've lost weight. You know, I'm always open to, you know, talk to people. So if they, anyone wants to talk to me about that or, just anything. Anyone needs help with a start. Um, my DMs are always open. No, I, I, I believe that, man. And I'm sure that some people will reach out, even just to tell you what they appreciated about what you shared today. Adam, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those <laughs> questions? Yes, sir. The Fat Guy Five. Okay, here we go. Question number one, man. Living or dead, tell us, who is your favorite fat guy? Favorite fat guy? Oh, man. It's got to be Ethan Suplee. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Cause I've, been a, I've been watching his movies since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm growing up with him, and then one day I see this transformation picture oh, yeah. in the middle of my journey, and I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. I see it. <laughs> now no, I listen to American Golden all the time. So I'm just like, it's got to be him. No, I like it, man. I like it. You got to respect everything that he's been through and shared. You know, he's another one that, you know, is, is willing to tell you whatever's going on. I think, I think that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Question number two, Adam, what is one lesson that being a fat guy taught you? 
Um, hmm. Besides, don't ever do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey. I think it's taught me patience. You know, just being the fat guy and just doing what I'm doing now, it's patience. Mm-hmm. I'm still not the best, but I'm working on it. Uh, I used to have a hair trigger. So mm. <laughs> for me to let things slide as they do now, it's got to be patience and understanding. Well, there we go, man. Question number three, Adam, if someone out there listening has decided that they want to start their journey today, what is one concrete action they can take? One concrete action is prepping food in advance. You know, just the, uh, what is the old saying? Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not, you know, and along this journey, each day prepares you for the next. I think that goes for anything in life, though. Every day prepares you for the next day. You're never going to have everything completely figured out. You're not going to, you know, I'm still learning. So I think it's just prepare. Yeah. Be prepared the day before. Which I think that's something that people throw away too often. And think that it's too, either too hard or too time consuming or whatever. But I don't think they realize, like you're saying, that you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So why not mm-hmm. be as prepared as you can be? You know, oh, absolutely. You may, have to, you may have to change that plan that you prepared on the fly because something completely different happens. But yeah. I always say it's easier to move the building blocks around if you've started to build something than it is to just every time a new challenge comes up, you have to dump the box out and start over from scratch. You know, having some preparedness and some planning there in place allows you to be more flexible and allows you to make more change when it's needed. So question number four, Adam, I think might be the hardest for something you just said recently, I think might make this one of the hardest questions of the day for you. Adam, tell us, (laughs) tell us something about yourself that you love. I think it's my work ethic, how hard I'm willing to work and how hard I'm willing to go to reach my goals. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I just, that's one thing I admire about myself is my ability to just put in the work. I like it, man. Question number five, Adam, last question of the day for you, I promise. Tell us, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? The next year would be to purchase a house. There we go. That's a good one. (laughs) Hey, it's going to support your health, you know, your mental health and fitness in the end, I'm sure. Uh, although, Although it might challenge that mental health going through that process, but... Oh God, that's true. <laughs> that's a, it, that's that's an awesome goal, man. Like, I, and I think, like you said, with those with those skills that you know you have, and that you know that awareness you're building, like it sounds like something. Uh, it'll be exciting to see you see you go through and conquer. So I'm excited for you, man. Dude, I really appreciate this conversation. You have no idea. Well, I, I'm I appreciate you coming on and being willing to be open about everything that you've been through and done, and you know I think. Our little technical difficulties in the middle almost put us into a better place, you know, of, of conversation, yeah. you know, so that's awesome. Yeah. You know, sometimes we yeah. have these, these, these little, little happy accidents happen. And I think it's great that you're willing to share not just what you've learned, but what it took for you to learn those things. And, you know, I think a lot of people out there are going to appreciate it. So a big thank you from, from me, man. Yeah. Thank you. Seriously. Like yeah. this was, you don't even know like how much I needed this. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's what that's what I'm here for, man. And everyone out there listening, I'm going to put Adam's contact information in the show notes. So reach out to him on Instagram. As always, you can find me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto, or you can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And I'm sure some people listening are always like, does anyone ever email the show? I got three emails this week. So... If you're out there and you want to ask a question about the show or a guest or talk to me about you coming on the show, if you're out there listening and you're like, hey, I have a story to tell too, reach out. 
because, hey, you never know what could happen. And then, my friends, after you do all that, go out there and do something today to amaze yourself because you're the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Thank you.